Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. COVID-19 has turned the world upside down. But is there any hope for us in these dark times? As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Hallelujah. Glorious words coming to us, words full of hope and assurance, and what is that I'm afraid we cannot do justice to in the time that we have. So we have to really trust the Holy Spirit to help us glean as much from it as we can. That will be blessed today. Last week, NK took us through the first 14 chapters of Ephesians 1. And he made us realize that there are lots of wonderful things Apostle Paul says that we have in Christ Jesus. And he did mention that we could, we could say that all that he had been reading was about our identity in Christ. And that is exactly so. And so today from verse 15, the apostle starts by saying, for this reason. And the question is, for what reason? For the reason that he had been listing about, he mentioned that it's all about identity. I want to just say that Identity in Christ, yes, but I want to take it from a different angle and say, in a more broad sense, our position in Christ. And it is this position that Apostle was trying to help us understand. And he brought so many verses to that effect. Then he goes on now to say, for this reason. And then he prays that prayer, amazing prayer. So what are these positional truths, if we could call it that? What are these positional truths? There are so many of them. And I really pray that God will, will help us fully understand it, that he will give me utterance to say the right things, he will open up our spirits, that we would, we would grab what he has for us. Because these are spiritual things being communicated, and it takes the Holy Spirit to get us to get it. So he says for this reason, for the fact that he has... Um, God in Christ has put us into this mighty and wonderful position. 
where all the things talked about from verse 1 to 14, and that he'll be talking about in chapter 2, chapter 3, all to the end. And that, in fact, he talks about in all his epistles. The other apostles also talk about it all. you find that maybe at least 50% of all their writings, they focus on all these foundational truths or positional truths, and they base all their theology on that. And so the first half will talk about these truths, then they now start talking about application. So we have examples where, for example, they say, now that you are dead to sin, then you should do this. Now that you are in Christ, then you should do that. Because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, now you should not do this and that. So you find that has been their style all the time. They, they spend time to teach us truth upon which we can build our lives. So last week, we looked at some of the truths. We looked at the fact that we are saved, we are reconciled, we've been adopted, and NK spent a lot of time on adoption, that when we are adopted, you have the full rights of a son or a daughter. So we become sons and daughters of God. And they become an heir as well. It means you inherit all the things that your father has. And so we, we find that as a positional truth for us as Christians, that we are saved in Christ, that we have been um, reconciled with him, that we have been adopted into his family, and so now we're children of God. And being children are now together with Christ, we are heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Christ. But there are other truths as well that he mentioned. He mentioned that even before the foundations of the earth, we have been chosen in Christ, we have been predestined to be united in him. And he talked about our being justified in God. Justification is a very important positional truth. Justified in Christ means that God considers us not guilty anymore. It means that our sins have been washed away they have been forgiven, they have been forgotten. So God sees us as clean. He sees us as not guilty. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the old has gone and the new has come. So in Christ Jesus, we are justified completely. Also in Christ Jesus, we are declared righteous. It's a positional truth that we are righteous in Christ. If I asked you now, do you feel righteous? Are you righteous? Some will say yes with confidence, but some will be like, um, maybe not because I know I do this and I do that, or I don't do this and I don't do that. But a positional truth that we all need to grasp as Christians is that once we are in Christ, we are righteous in Christ. And this righteousness is not anything that we do ourselves, but it's imputed upon us because we are in Christ Jesus. It's a very important one every Christian should grab as well. Then we are also declared holy, set apart for God. It's, it's a positional truth. We are also declared glorified already. And N.K. helped us see from verse 14 last week that he says that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a seal guaranteeing our inheritance. So that day, that glorious day, when Christ appears, that we shall be with him. So there's, it's a complete work. This salvation that God has given us, it's totally, totally, totally done. And the beautiful thing about our redemption and all the blessings that come with it, all the spiritual blessings that come with it, the forgiveness of sin, the imputation of righteousness, the justification, which means no condemnation, our sonship, the peace with God, all the spiritual gifts that come, and all the promises of God that now become our heritage as well. The beautiful thing about them is that they are unchanging. They were not dependent on us, what we did or didn't do. Remember, it was predestined even before the foundations of the world. And so they cannot be taken from us. 
So these potential truths are ours and we must hold on to them strongly. But why did the apostles do this? Why do they spend so much time trying to give us these teachings or these truths about our position in Christ? That's what I want to focus on today, because that was what the apostle was praying about, that the Lord God Almighty himself will open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, that we might gain wisdom and understanding of the knowledge of God, and then the riches that we have in him, and also his riches in us, God's inheritance in his church. It's important we, our eyes are open to understand these things, and we will see why it was so important. So that's what I want to focus on now. And Apart from potential truth, theologians talk about experiential truth, and it's important to have that distinction. Man is made up of three parts, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We have body, we have soul, and we have our spirit. But in reality, we are spirit. Human beings are spiritual beings that are clothed in a body, and we have a soul. All the truths that the apostles tell us about, that Jesus spoke about, that Peter and James all speak about, applies to our spirits. It is a spirit man that is born again. And that's what Jesus told Nicodemus in Matthew chapter 3. Sorry, John chapter 3. He told him that you will have to be born again. And he explained that the flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And then goes on to tell him that when you believe in me, then you will not be condemned anymore in verse 17. In verse 16, then we have, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So we need to understand that the rebirth, what happens is a, a work of the spirit in our spirit, because we are spiritual beings. Our spirit is what is born again. And so we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. To understand position, it's important to consider Romans chapter 5, where the apostle Paul teaches us that we, all of us in the natural birth, are born in Adam. So it's a positional thing in Adam. And then he says that when we become born again, then we are now born in Christ. So our position changes from being in Adam, a place of sin, separation from God, death, condemnation, guilt, shame, bondage to sin, and to all the things that come with sin, sickness and everything, the curse of the law, where we were in Adam and caught up in all of this. But by God's grace, through the finished work on the cross, because of his great love for us, we've been now transported from being in Adam to becoming people who are now in Christ. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to 14, if you count it, the number of times the Apostle Paul talks about our being in Christ is 13 times. If you add through Christ and in his, his son, not directly just in Christ, but 13 times he alluded to the fact that we are in Christ. So all the points he gave, all these truths, that's why they are called positional truths. It is because we are in Christ that we get these benefits. So whoever has moved, as John 5.24 tells us, whoever believes in Christ has moved from death to life. We have crossed over. These are exciting truths that we should rejoice in. And we'll be seeing in a moment why they are so important. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 also says the same. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Hallelujah. So we've been made alive in Christ Jesus. 
Now, why is this important? We talked about the fact that this, the change is in our spirits. It's our spirit man that is recreated in Christ. So everything that we talk about, the righteousness, the holiness, the freedom from sin, from death, everything is true of our spirit being at the moment. It is 100% true. No matter what you're experiencing right now, no matter how you feel right now, no matter what you did yesterday or you will do tomorrow, it's not about experience. It's a positional thing. It's a legal thing. It's imputed. You are righteous before God. In God's eyes, according to Romans 8, once you have been saved, you actually are sanctified already and you are even glorified. Apostle Paul uses the past tense. We are also glorified in Christ Jesus. It means that we have made it to heaven already. Christ in us the hope of glory. So it's a spiritual truth that every Christian must grasp, that in Christ we are completely accepted by God. There is nothing we can do that will make God love us any more than he already loves us or accepts us. And there is nothing we can do that will make him love us any less. That is the truth of our position in Christ. Now, how do we move from a positional truth to an experiential truth? How do we make these things true in our life? That is what the Bible calls sanctification. So we are, we are sanctified in Christ already, completely done, but we are also being sanctified because the Spirit is 100% sanctified and saved and righteous and holy and justified and everything. But our souls, which includes our mind, our emotions, our, our will, and then our body, these are not completely saved yet. They are in a process of being saved. I hope you don't get confused about this. So the positional truths are true of the spirit man. But in experience, we find that we are not there 100%. And amongst us as Christians, we are experiencing these truths at varying degrees. Some people have grown so much in Christ that their, their experience is approaching the positional one more than others. But the truth is that in the eyes of God, when he sees us, he sees all of us complete in Christ. And the scripture tells us that in several places, we are clothed with his righteousness. Why is this important? The Apostle Paul prays that our eyes of understanding will be opened because it is through this means that our soul gets enlightened, that we are given opportunity to begin to see what God has done with us in the spirit. The word of God, the Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, together give us revelation of who we are in Christ and who we are supposed to be in experience as well so that we find ourselves moving according to Proverbs 4.18, closer and closer to that perfect being. I think I'll turn to the scriptures now and read a few to us. So, we are told that we move, just scrolling now. Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. Hallelujah. So we find that as we grow in God, our righteousness is revealed more and more. Remember, it's given to us 100% already in the spirit. But it has to come through the soul, reflected in the body, reflected in the senses, 
The body consists of our senses. Everybody, you can feel it, you can experience it. Everybody can see it in you as well. And it's important that we pay attention to our souls by feeding our minds, our thoughts, our attitudes, our emotions with the word of God under the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's not just intellectual. That's why he prays that God will open the eyes of our hearts that will have wisdom and understanding. That once this revelation comes, then our minds are able to see what is true in the spirit. Remember, the word of God is quick and sharper than the two-edged sword. It is powerful to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, and even the joints and the marrow. So there's a kind of a veil between the spirit and the soul, and then the body as well. But the word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, brings an opening. The entrance of your word gives light. So we begin to understand and see what is true in the spirit, through the word of God. And that's why the apostles pray such prayers. That God opened the eyes of understanding, that we begin to see ourselves for who we really are. Once we have this understanding, it sets a tone for us to appreciate what's going to happen in the rest of our study of the book of Ephesians and indeed of all the epistles. Because sometimes it can be confusing. It tells us that we are perfect and it tells us we're perfect and we get confused. But remember, positional truth is true of our spirit. It is unchanging, it's non-negotiable, it is perfect, it is complete. You can't increase it or decrease it. But experiential truth in our lives is the one that is changing and growing. And it grows and grows the more we fix our eyes on God, the more we see him, the more we know him, and the more we begin to see ourselves as he sees us. Because he sees us in the spirit, holy, righteous, blessed. But also remember that these truths are key for us to survive through this hard life. Because Jesus tells us that in addition to all the wonderful promises that he's given us in Christ Jesus, our inheritance includes a lot of persecution as well, lots of trials, lots of challenges. So we need this understanding to help us focus on who we are in him and what he says about us, not only in the good times, but in the bad times as well, so we can go through them. That's what the apostles Always want to start from foundational truth, positional truth. Know your identity in Christ. Build your self-image based on God's word, based on what God says about you. Then when the changing circumstances around you happen, you will find that you are able to stand. And so Jesus would say in Matthew 7, for example, the wise person is the one who hears these words of mine and builds his life on them. Because the rains will come. The storms will come. Christians are not immune to pandemics and to to sickness and to death and all that. He says they will come. But if you build your life on my word and you see through my word how I see you, who you really are in the spirit man, then these challenges will come and you will still be standing because you will be strong. But he says the foolish one will not build on his words. And so when the challenges come, they crumble, they fall, and they crack. Again, this is what helps us understand scriptures like Philippians 2, 12 to 13 where it says that, therefore, my dear friends, you have, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So God has worked out the salvation fully in our spirit's man. But it's up to us now through the study of God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit, to then let it reflect in our lives. We work it out. That's why it says you work it out. 
You're not working for it. It's been freely given to you, done already, but we work it out. And so the Apostle Paul is happy in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, when he says that for this reason, I haven't stopped giving thanks to God. When I heard about your faith and then your love for the saints, because their love for the saints was proof to him that God's spirit is doing some work inside of them that they are beginning to reflect the new life. That's the surest sign that we have encountered God and that we have been changed, that transformation is happening. Love for one another. So he is convinced that God has done a work in their lives. He's convinced that their election is true, that their righteousness is true, that they have become part of the body of Christ. The love of God has poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit so that we then are able to show this love to other people. That's why love shows it. Jesus himself taught this as well. He, he told us that if we would listen to him, if, if, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Then he also says, that's in John chapter 8, in verse 36. Verse 32, he actually said earlier on that, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. So knowing him gives us the truth. He is the truth. But by the Holy Spirit, who leads us into deeper truth, we get to know him more and know ourselves more as we are in him. And then, the transformation happens because we're able to live according to that. There are several scriptures that we could go to, but I think I will want to touch briefly on a few of them. So 2 Corinthians 3, 15 to 18 tells us how we with unveiled faces are being slowly transferred from one glory, from a glory to another. Again, just to show that we are glorified already completely, but it's a continuing process. It says when we see him, then we will fully be like him. So ever increasing glory, we are being transformed until we see him. When this body will be taken away, they will be fully there. And that's why Romans 12 verse 2 also, we can hear things like, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's the mind again then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Colossians 1, 9 to 12 talks about a similar thing. In fact, it's the same thing in, in Ephesians 1. Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. Then he goes on to say, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. So that's how the transformation happens. The change has happened positionally in the spirit, but through the word of God, through understanding, we are able to walk worthy of what he has done in us. We are able to please him and then we are able to be fruitful as well. Jesus said it, if, I remain in, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear fruit. So the thing has been given, but we have to remain in him. We have to remain in the word and it will happen. Time really gone. I know time is short to explain all this, but I will end with James 1. Because I think James, the practical apostle, actually explains it to us beautifully. He says from verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. So our being born again is from the word. It's here in the word that we get born again. That we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And he goes on to tell us this. Verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. 
and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what he says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. The mirror is the word of God. You read the word of God. You see what he says about you. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, again, the mirror is the perfect law of God, looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Hallelujah. So Paul is praying that God will help us to understand who we really are in Christ. The way we see ourselves must change. We are righteous. We are accepted. We are holy. We are forgiven. We are loved by God. We are even glorified already. And the way God sees us, he talks about the riches of God's inheritance in the saints. When God sees us, he sees a holy people, an amazing people, which Peter tells us about, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people purchased by him for his glory. God delights in us. We are meant to bring him glory. Also, we are told that even the angels long to look into these things when they see the church. Every single person who's added to the church, the angels celebrate and they rejoice. So corporately as well, we need to understand who we are, that we are a special people. We are chosen by God. And the way to experience all the blessings he's given us in Christ is to continue to study. So please, our Bible studies that we do on Thursdays, I went through the notes again when preparing for this, and I realized that it has everything we need, all the foundational truths, all the positional truths. They are in there. I want to encourage us, Thursdays, let's join in the Bible studies. I know they've been posted on our WhatsApp page, probably on the website. Please go grab it and then read through them. Every day, just take a little bit and read. By this, we will be transforming ourselves from not being people who are being endowed with positional truth, but more and more in our experience, we begin to reflect the glory of God by righteous living. Amen. 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 So at this time, Sister Emma is going to lead us in a time of discussion. Hello, ACC. Let me turn on my video so you can see my face. Hi, Emma. <laughs> I hope everybody's doing well. Hi. Very well. Thank you so Thank much. You. That was truly incredible. And um, I appreciate you sharing that powerful word. Um, for those of you who just joined us, Pastor Pujo took us through um, Ephesians 1 verses 15 to 23. It was a continuation from our last um, sermon from last week from um, NK. So uh, the floor is open now. If anyone has any questions, let me go ahead and check and see if there are any hands up. You can put your hands up um, through the participants tab or you can just speak up and say, I have a question, and we'll let you get the mic. We don't have too much time for it. But if there are any pressing questions, I'll go ahead and take them now. Laura says she has a question. Okay, so my question is um, centered on um, verse 19. And it talks about, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the yes. same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So, and it goes on to talk about, I mean, everything has been put under Christ. And my question is that, I mean, this same power that Paul talks about, um, about in Ephesians chapter one, 
are we seeing that same, the fullness of that power in our time? Or it operated differently and now it has to go a different way? Thank you so much for bringing that up because I didn't get a chance to go to that part of it. But actually, he's telling us that that power is at work in every person who believes. Because what he's saying is that we were dead in Adam, but we are alive in Christ. So the life we now live, the truth is that we, we don't live as a natural man anymore. It's a new man. It's a new person in Christ. So we actually died in Christ. We were buried with him, and we were raised up with him. So we're actually seated with Christ right now in the spirit realms. We are on earth, Christ is in us, but we are also in him, seated with, with God in heaven right now. In the spiritual sense, that's what he's talking about. So it means that that power has already worked in our lives. And that's why we are where we are today. So it's, it's an amazing truth. It's not power as a dynamite. And sometimes we don't, we don't feel it. But it's a power that brings the change. It is that power that has put us where we are. So, for example, Colossians 3, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. We have been raised with him. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ too is your life appears, then you also appear with him in glory. So that power has already gone to work in our life and it's still working in our lives. We, we, have, we, don't, we don't feel it, but the reality is that God did some work in us to change us, to transform us, to raise us from the dead. So that's how can we are no more in Adam, but we are in Christ. We actually died with Christ. It's an amazing power. It's, it's, it's enough to transform us and help us experience the fullness of God today. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, brother, Iman, Iman said one fundamental element of Christ's resurrection power is the strength the Holy Spirit gives us to overcome sin. And this Amen. every believer has. It is Amen. our hallmark. Amen. 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 So, it's part of our, our positional truth that we've been given power over sin over the curse of the law, over death itself. In Christ, we also overcame death itself. So that's why we can be confident that we actually have been glorified already and we are seated with him. So we do have power over sin in every way. Thanks for sharing, Brother Imam. All right. My, my question uh, takes us to the, the positional uh, truths. Truth, yeah. yeah. With the positional truth, is it not piloting us to be complacent after all, familiarity, familiarity breeds content. Okay. Is the, uh, should we be, be um, um, complacent that we've got it all and just relax? Thank you very much, Sarah. Very good question, which the apostles address in almost all the epistles as well. They, they, they are convinced that when we truly understand and see what God has done for us, we see ourselves in God's light as a holy and righteous people. And that actually motivates us to live our lives to please him and honor him. So you will find that, I think next week we'll be doing Ephesians chapter 2. And whoever is preaching will definitely talk about that. The fact that God does this work in us, it's not our work, it's not our effort, but he does it for a purpose. 
And that purpose we will see in Ephesians 3, chapter 10, when we look at it next week. So on the contrary, the Apostle Paul teaches us in the book of Titus as well, that this grace of God that has appeared to all men brings us salvation. And grace teaches us to say no to all forms of ungodliness and worldly passions and it motivates us to do what is right and what is good and pleasing to God. So you will find that there is a danger for those who do not fully understand the work of grace, the finished work of Christ, to think that we should be complacent. And over years, people have been that way. There's even a theological term for it. It's called antinomianism. And Paul talks about it. He says, should we therefore continue to sin so that grace will abound? But he answers in Romans chapter 6, that certainly not. How can we continue? Again, positional truth. How can we continue in sin when we have died to sin? So it's important we understand this truth, that we have died to sin in Adam. When Christ died, we died with Christ. So now we've been resurrected to a new life in Christ Jesus, which is a life of righteousness, which we are supposed to live out. So a true understanding of positional truth is the only way that we can actually live righteously in this world. And if I must add, that is why Christianity is different from every other religion. Every other religion tries to mold you to conform to what is right from the outside. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The Apostle Paul calls it zeal without knowledge. You are eager to do the right thing, but nobody can do it. God has to do it for us himself, imputed upon us, and now we just have to work it out. I believe next week, Ephesians 2 will throw more light on that, Sayram. Thank you very much, Pastor Kujo. We just have one last question. Rich has a hand up. Rich, can we get your question? And we'll, that'll be the last question for today. Yeah, Pastor Joe, thank you very much for this wonderful and insightful message. Uh, my question is just a follow-up to what uh, MFA, you know, asked. You know, in that, uh, why, why are we not seeing you know, those uh, great works of uh, miracles that Jesus Christ said will do and even do more. Why is it now very scarce to see such a miracle? Is it because of our sins? Because I, I recall in Matthew, in John 14, verse 12, Jesus Christ said, whatever he has done, we can even do greater than that. So yeah. why are we not seeing those things? I, I want to believe that a big part of it is a lack of understanding of the power that we have. Because Jesus has given us a lot of power as well. He says that whoever believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. And in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we learned during our Bible study, it's quite separate from the Spirit coming into our spirit, making our spirit alive when we are born again. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive power as well. And it is that power that then enables us to do some of these works. So that it comes with gifts. And some even receive specifically the gift of healing. So maybe it's a lack of understanding and a lack of faith. We need to, to believe more. We need to read more. We need to trust God more. And we need to ask him that he will give us these gifts so that we can, we can exercise power and authority. The truth is that it hasn't diminished. Some people are secessionists who believe that it was for the days of the apostles. After the apostles, no more miracles, no more of that. But if you really study the scriptures, it's not true. He said, this gift is for you and your children's children, for all who believe all over the world. So it's, it's, it's a promise of God that once we are in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes upon us, 
we receive power to do this. So I have seen many miracles in my own life. I've had patients who have prayed for and their, their fibroids have disappeared. I mean, we did a scan. The fibroid was there. They were going to go and have surgery for infertility because of the fibroid. I saw them Monday at the clinic. I said, look, every Monday afternoon, I have a free clinic at Ashalibutri at our church premises. Come, we'll pray for you there. She came. She had faith. We laid hands on her. We prayed for her. Then next day, she came back. We did the scan. Fibroids gone. Amen. It's a miracle. Amen. Who still heals today? Amen. So I have seen Amen. many, many miracles in my own life and thousands. In fact, lots of miracles. So it's there. If we trust God and by faith we pray and ask him, we will see miracles. Uh, Pastor Joe, I, I, I think one of the main reasons why we don't seem to see as many miracles and wonders in our days is because if you actually look at the early church or if you look at Jesus' command, his power is often manifested in the witness process, in the process where we reach out to minister to other people. Today we spend a lot of the time praying for ourselves, you know, for ourselves, for our immediate family. And, you know, normally when Jesus was healing the sick or the apostles were healing the sick, it was because they were witnessing. They were bearing witness of Jesus. Amen. So I think if the church shifts its focus from itself and focuses on bringing the world to Jesus, we will see the manifestations of, of His power again. It's Amen. True. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church on Zoom, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.